am Dr. Liz, a pediatrician and parent coach. Welcome to my podcast, 10 Going on 20, Parenting Preteens to Young Adults. Join me in my amazing array of guests, including experts, parents, and youth, for conversations that will support you in having happier, healthier, and more connected relationships with your kids as they get older. Let's talk. Thank you all for being here. This is actually my first episode, and I'm excited to have my former partner and friend, Dr. Deborah Chen, on, who is a fellow pediatrician, and she has been in practice for over 30 years. She is extremely experienced dealing with young people and kids from infancy to young adults. I am happy to bring her on board. It is uh, a pleasure to have you. So welcome, Debbie. Thank you. Pleasure to be here. So I, I brought you on and I definitely wanted you to be uh, one of my first guests because first of all, you in, have encouraged me, you have to do a podcast, you have to do a podcast. So here I am doing a podcast and so you are my first guest and we've known each other for a long time. Uh, I remember when I first interviewed with New Brunswick Pediatric Group Ooh, over, it was in 1998 and I was pregnant and I uh, came and I started at the practice and became a partner in a couple of years and worked with you for, I would say, I worked with you for about 16 or 17 years. So we've grown together in the practice and we know about each other's kids and, and families and we've had a lot of lunchtime discussions about parenting and about practicing pediatrics and things that we can do to improve it. And we've done a lot of brainstorming. So I I definitely wanted to share your expertise and kind of have our listeners be flies on the wall as we talk about parenting and especially parenting preteens, teens, and young adults, which I think is is important. So first off, I want to say welcome again, and uh, just tell the listeners a little bit about yourself. Like, who are you? Um, thank you. Um, who am I? Hi, so I'm a pediatrician, and now a, a mother of three, and now grandmother of one. And so that, uh, that being a grandma also gives you like a special heart for the parents who are starting out young and but also you know we we have talked over the years about you know the challenges of parenting and and what kind of services what how we can help them and so even though i'm nearing retirement because i i have an end date i still you know even now we were just talking about how we can help parents our next way to help parents so apparently even though i'm cl- getting close to retiring i am apparently not done with caring about parenting teens particularly so i'm involved i'm on a youth advisory group at my church teaching confirmation and so i'm not done with thinking about the wellness of our young people and what we can do as pediatricians and just 
to help them because this is a, a difficult world and a hard world. As you said, it's important, particularly the teenagers and the teen phase, because there's so much going on today. And I think we can't not but help talk about the coronavirus, which is amongst us. And we're both isolated in our homes and we're talking to each other remotely. But how is the practice dealing with the coronavirus? And are parents panicking? What's, what's the situation right now? The practice is just trying to figure it out. You know, people are afraid to come in. It's of really being aware of major social distancing and curfews and things like that. And so we're trying to figure out how to care for our patients, be there for them, but minimize risk to everybody in terms of spread of the virus. I mean, every day is a new day with the way this pandemic is going. So they're figuring it out. As you know, I'm asking you that question because I'm no longer in the midst of practicing and left four years ago to develop the parent coaching and the Dr. Liz consulting and doing a lot of public speaking. So you're, you're my frontline liaison to tell me what's so and what's happening in, in the practice. And it sounds like that uh, everybody's just trying to figure it out, even, even the doctors, even the hospitals. I mean, yeah. this is, everybody is, is trying to manage and, and, and deal with it the best they can. Yeah because we don't, there's no blueprint for it. And it was interesting, somebody was talking about this last night at one of these virtual meetings and sort of each generation defining itself by a certain sort of major world event, the World War II generation defining mm-hmm. baby boomers and there was something else for the millennials and this pandemic is gonna change things, mindsets and so forth and define this current generation of teens, and I don't know what they're called. Do you know? So but the current generation is Gen Z. But then before, so Gen Zs would be 24 down to yes, 16. Four. Even down four? to four. Yes. Okay. Yeah, yes. so that they're saying that, yeah, there's some thought, and I think it's true. It's interesting to look at it from a big picture standpoint, but this is going to really affect, it's going to affect them. And do you have any thoughts on to how it may affect them? What are, what are your thoughts as for, just to give insight for parents? And I know we don't know, and this is kind of extrapolating. I mean, I was thinking, well, it's going to affect them economically. It may affect mm-hmm. them in how the world economy comes out of it and uh, how we end up using technology and all that kind of stuff. But you're thinking of those other things, like their worldview, Well, and their psyche in general, Yes, because this is traumatic. I mean, it's traumatic for all of us, but just their view of the world and all of a sudden the rug is pulled from underneath them. I know my daughter, who's a senior, she's about to graduate. Now the spring semester is gone. I mean, it's all virtual. Mm, Yes. You know, who knows what happens with graduation? Are they going to cancel it? Are they going to do it virtual? Are they going to postpone it? So... My thoughts are we're going to have to deal with the, the really the psychological impact. And I don't know what that will be. Psychologists will have to deal with that more. There may be more anxiety, depression, even post-traumatic issues, because this is a traumatic mm. event for everyone. Well, because they're <laughs> right. Well, and, and they are in a formative age on developing a worldview. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I think 
one view might be that it will only accentuate what's already going on. So we know a lot of anxious people, mm-hmm. and it's going to exacerbate their anxiety. And then there is that other point of view, and I think it was in the Wall Street Journal today, and um, I got a little hint of it from all the young physicians at the office in that they're not really at risk <laughs> mm. because that it has been widely publicized and it's been widely publicized that the you know younger you are, the lower risk you are. And so there are also, uh, I know this from the youth group at my church, there are also that, that certain cohort that just laughs it off because they know that it's not dangerous for them. Meanwhile, they're laughing and there's a 60-year-old in the room saying, what about us? Or so they think it's not dangerous. I mean, who knows? And as you said, the repercussions are far beyond the, the physical. But what would you say to parents? How are parents going to deal with their kids being homeschooled, virtually schooled? There's frustration building. What are your thoughts as to parents who are listening so yeah, like if somebody came into the office and said, how do we get through the next yes. several months? I would say, get a routine, right? Mm. Stick to your routine, the learning routines. I know a very, very wise mother was telling me they've already, even though this virtual learning thing has just started, she did not let them have a few days off like vacation. <laughs> she okay. immediately instituted the study routines, the school even just their family life, more of a routine for them to stick to. No vacation. This is not a vacation. The age of anxiety. Um, You know how we'd always say, oh, you're fine. Yes. You're fine. You're fine. And um, I was one of those parents. But I think now we just really have to stop and slow down and be more intentional and say, what are you worried about? What do you think? Because you don't know what their understanding of it is. And they could believe that they're going to get it and die or whatever. And um, I was always a, you're fine, forget it, parent. (laughs) But I think parenting is a lot, that's just why parenting is harder. I think parents have to be a lot more intentional and take those and stop those and take those opportunities and say, well, what is your understanding and what are you afraid of? And then use those as teaching moments. Yeah, I think that's important, open-ended questions. Parents as a whole, I think, assume that their kids are thinking a certain way or that they know what they're thinking. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the times we don't. We're so far off. (laughs) We're so far off. And just to ask, okay, so what are your thoughts? And be interested in knowing what their thoughts are, not just asking because, okay, I... Dr. Liz and Dr. Chen said we have to ask them, so let's ask them what are their thoughts. But actually be interested in what they have to say because sometimes it could be surprising. And then it opens up the lines of communication yeah. so that you, you can actually share your thoughts about the situation with your, your children and they can share with you. And then it opens up lines of communication for after this event and for later in life. So we're trying to look at the bright side because we are all a little bit obsessed with what's going on right now. And uh, I don't want to be too simplistic on putting a bright side to it, but it does make us all slow down. Yes. Um, Trying to schedule something with the youth group and the teenagers is 
beyond mm. difficult. Mm. They're so oh so over so overscheduled. And so one minor benefit of this might be to make families slow down. And like you said, make those connections. Yes. Because I think it's important to connect and to engage them. And the one thing uh, we tend to do and that parents tend to do is to protect their kids from what's going on in the world, the, the horrible things that are going on. Yeah. But it, it's also important to talk about those things because they are going to see it. They're going to hear it on the news, on Facebook. They're exposed to it. So it's important to have open and honest conversations about what's going on rather than kind of pretending that they don't know. You're going to be fine. Know. I'll protect you. You're fine. You're fine. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Because they, they do know. Now, now you've talked and we've talked a lot during our lunchtime conversations about providing different resources for parents and, and different out-of-the-box thinking about even in the pediatric setting ways to support them, whether it's meditation or, or counseling or breathing exercises. So can you say more about that or your thoughts or how those things may be helpful in this type of situation? Well, we talked about having resources for parents, right? Yes. I think education for parents, what you're doing for parents Parenting requires a lot more intentionality than it used to. Okay. Uh, and so what you, even this, something like mm -hmm. this, some, so along the lines of seminars and resources and podcasts and information. But well, um, when you say intentionality, what do you mean by that? Well, like really thinking about, like thinking about how to parent. And when I raised my children, I just did it. And the world was easier, and that was before cell phones and the internet. We sat down for family meals. We went on family vacations. I felt like I was always there for them. But social media came along, mm -hmm. and I think that that has made being a, a tween and a teenager a lot harder. And so thinking about, like you said, things of even saying, well, what do you think, and really communicating more intentionally using car time mm. um, more, more intentionally and just listening more. We also talked about yoga and meditation. Yes. That is something that parents can do at home, and it could be helpful to their teens and, and young people. There are a lot of meditation apps and programs that you can do online, and you can do yoga online, but I think that quiets the mind. Yeah. And I know everybody's mind like now is going crazy and yeah. with all the, the, the news and the Facebook and the uncertainty, because no one knows how this is going to pan out. We know that at some point we'll all be able to go outside and be together, but no one knows really the length of time right. or the total impact. So I think meditation, quieting the mind doing some yoga, learning how to take deep breaths, and tuning in while you're at home to apps on the computer, learning how to do that as a family will be helpful now and in the long run. Yeah, and, and you know, and partnering more with schools or being aware of what schools are offering, because then we can 
and I don't know, this is the first time this has come up for me that I've been thinking about it. How do we support what the schools are doing? Mm. Uh, because so apparently, so somebody was telling me, one of my anxious teenagers, patients, was telling me that one of the teachers was trying to teach him to meditate. Okay. And I was like, how does that work for you? And how often do you do it? And so the conversation went like this, like, you can't just meditate when you're stressed. It has to become a daily practice. Yes. It doesn't work meditating when you're, when you're about to have a panic attack. It's too late then. It's as a daily practice, it helps. It, it helps. Yes. Need as a needed as a go to needed practice once in a while it might help a little bit, but the whole point is to have it become a part of general health and wellness. Yes, yes. So that teen was doing it or he they weren't really she doing was it. doing it when she was really stressed. Okay. <laughs> so it was so she was getting stressed a lot. So I bet you her mother doesn't know that she was learning meditation at school. If the parents knew, then they could sort of, when they're talking, remind her or when the teen is stressed, say, have you been, you know, support, reinforce what's going on at school. Right. Or do it first thing in the morning, family event or something of that sort. And that, that's where it, it comes into play is if you're connected with your child and you actually are in tune and know what's going on and are able to forge that open relationship, you'll be able to be in sync. And it's just, how do you do that? And hopefully this podcast and having different people on the podcast, whether it's experts or, you know, I plan to have young people too on the podcast so they can give their perspectives so parents can hear their point of view. So hopefully this will provide some insight for parents and people and try to put people on the same wavelength, at least for a little bit, young people and their parents. I, I think it's a great <laughs> idea for you to have, what would you say, 12, 13, 14 year olds? Yeah, sure. I mean, I think that's a, that would be a great eye opener to parents. In terms of how much the, the parents would be surprised at, at what they're thinking. Yes. How much they know, how wise they are, and how naive they are. <laughs> Anything else that, because uh, I know that the parents are at their wits end with the pandemic that's going on. So if somebody came in and they said, how do I stay how do I stay healthy? Uh, you can touch your face and eyes as much as you want. Never use your hands. Because... <laughs> They, you know, they're stressing, wash your hands, sing happy birthday, whatever, one yes. or two times. And, and uh, that's all well and good. But if you go touch a surface that somebody has just uh, contaminated, and then you go rub your eyes, it doesn't matter how long you washed your hands. You can touch your face as much as you want, just never use your hands. So you have to you, explain you that will. further. For demonstrate. And, well, they you, can't see you. I'll, if... If I have handy, I'll use the tissue. But if, a ha if you're, you know, in the middle of doing something, I'll use the inside of my sleeve. I'll use the inside of my collar. <laughs> use anything. I mean, usually I'll end up using the inside of my sleeve. Okay. You got on my favorite subject. Sorry. <laughs> well, that, that was an important subject because that is uh, key information that people should be aware of and a good pearl of wisdom. <laughs> from Dr. Deborah Chen. <laughs> I guess another question I can, we can talk about uh, or ask, uh, what 
are the challenges that you face as a practicing pediatrician when it comes to dealing with the older youth and parents, even whether it's in this environment we're in today or any day? So, you know, mental health issues are the biggest challenge for teens, for our youth, and uh, lack of resources. But sometimes it's not just lack of resources. We have therapists that we can refer to, and we have medicine and psychiatrists that we can refer to. So I guess that's not right. But just really keeping their mental, you know, supporting parents. Many of our uh, parents don't have family in the area, Mm -hmm. and they really need help with parenting. From a young age, you know, the teens and, and the tweens, but even going down. And so that, that, I think that's my biggest challenge is the mental health issues. Of the, young pe- of, the, of the young people themselves or then in what you were talking about the parenting Parent- needs help so parenting? Two different, so yeah, two different things. So first of all, parenting. The parents, even of young children, don't. Because they grew up in a different era, their parenting styles are just different from their parents. Mm-hmm. I don't know how to say that. But I think and that's so yeah, need, everybody. I mean, our parents need, were different as well. Yes. Right. Right. And, uh, and our parents' parenting styles wouldn't work in this time, in this age. And so, and then also, so that's one thing, separate mm-hmm. thing. And then the other thing is, you know, the biggest challenge is how to support and help the teens who are going through teenage years. But that's well, my biggest concern. The teens that are going through that, the normal challenges or the teens that well, the, are diagnosed emotional and mental challenges? I think. Or all hmm, of the above. That's really good. So yes, you answer that. Both normal teenage challenges, which I think are exacerbated by social media. Yes, for sure. Um, and, and then the teens with real emotional problems as well. So I think hopefully something that will come out of this pandemic will be the accessibility and ease with which we can do things remotely. So the telehealth is now being brought on before it was, it was coming on, but now we're really going to have to do telehealth more now that we're all self-isolating. And so mm-hmm. my hope is that the access to psychiatrists and psychologists, ex- specifically child psychiatrists and psychologists, they'll be more available if we can do that remotely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So <clears throat> if there's not enough in New Jersey or if not, there's not enough in the area, perhaps you can cross state lines and speak mm-hmm. to someone in another state. Hopefully some positive outcomes will come from this because now we're doing things that we never thought could be done. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, for me to have my own Zoom account. (laughs) (laughs) And for companies, thousands of people working remotely. Yeah. These are things that all in a matter of a week has been able to be put in place. So hopefully it shows some things that we didn't think could be done, could be done, kind of open up a creative principle for creating something new in the future. Yeah, that's, that's really well said and good thought. Absolutely. Well, we, we thought it couldn't be as good, right? It, it just can't. And, and there is still going to be the need for face-to-face, but we'll yes. find, we'll get better at this, at the virtual stuff. We will get better at it. And 
and find ways to make it really work well for what we need, right? Yes, yes. So I think for listeners, I think just to kind of <clears throat> sum up some of the things we were talking about is really it's important, especially now in the pandemic, to, to communicate honestly and openly with your young people about what's going on and really be interested. And, and one thing that I didn't say is also, and I think you touched on it, is, is to validate their concern. It's, and it's okay to be worried and it's okay yeah. to be fearful. So a lot of times we try to wipe that away because we don't want them to be worried and we don't want them to be fearful, but that's part of being a human. And if you try to step over that, you just exacerbate that. So I think it's important for parents to acknowledge and recognize their child's anxiety and concern, have open, honest conversations. And you also said use this as a time to get to know each other as a family, to stop, to breathe, to do things together that you hadn't had time to do. Try to implement meditation, <clears throat> breathing, yoga, things to calm the mind and to quiet the mind. I think those are important as well. And anything else? No, everyone stay safe. Stay, <laughs> stay safe. So yes. thank you, Debbie. This is Dr. Chen that I just had the pleasure of having a conversation with just about this day and age that we're in and more specifically the, the pandemic and the coronavirus and things to think about and things to do with your, your young people at home. Hopefully this was helpful. So thanks again, Debbie. You're welcome.